This is CNBC's The Brave Ones podcast with Dominic Chu. Welcome to The Brave Ones. I'm Dominic Chu. On any given day, there are a handful of people who trade places as to who the world's wealthiest person is. Here's one of them. In the 90s, I had the idea of a luxury group. And at the time, I was very much criticized for it. I remember people telling me, it does not make sense to put together so many brands. And it was a success. It is a recognized success. And for the last 10 years now, every competitor is trying to imitate, which is very rewarding for us. And I think they are not successful, but they try. <laughs> So it was a success. That seems like the understatement of the year. Maybe the decade. Maybe the last half century. Who knows? That was Bernard Arnault, founder of LVMH, the world's biggest luxury goods conglomerate. Arnault was featured in a recent episode of The Brave Ones, CNBC International's series that celebrates successful risk takers. Today, we'll hear from the man himself, as well as some of his family and extraordinary friends, including Anna Wintour, editor-in-chief of Vogue, Frank Gehry, perhaps the greatest architect in the world today, and designer Karl Lagerfeld in one of his final interviews. Now, it's kind of hard to explain just how big LVMH is. It's made up of more than 70 brands, from Christian Dior to Louis Vuitton, the LB in LBMH, also Fendi, and even champagnes like Dom Perignon and Moet Hennessy, the M and H in LBMH. So this is a huge collection of brands, and Bernard Arnault has put them all together to make a massive vehicle for luxury in the world. Now, that collection of brands is just one part of the story, and Arnaud told the brave ones what he thinks makes LVMH such a powerhouse. You know, the success of my group is based on a combination of creativity and organization, artistic side of the products and business side of selling them all over the planet. And this combination explains the success with me today are Betsy Alexander, the executive producer of The Brave Ones, and Jamie Corsi, who produced this episode featuring Bernard Arnault. So, Betsy, this idea that you could have a successful risk taker is maybe a concept, but Bernard Arnault is a guy who just epitomizes it in terms of the global consumer. His brands are probably some of the most – no, I shouldn't say probably. They are the most recognizable ones on earth. Well, we were lucky because Bernard Arnault barely does interviews. We got to actually sit down with him at his amazing museum in the middle of Paris. So, Jamie, Bernard Arnault didn't set out to be the world's greatest tastemaker, did he? No, he actually started as an engineer in his father's construction company. Uh, he convinced his father to liquidate the construction division and focus on real estate. And he became president of that company when he was just 30 years old. And that was in 1979. And in 1984, he acquired a luxury goods company that happened to own Christian Dior. And of course, that was just the beginning. I was looking at several IDs and I hit uh, Christian Dior. And immediately I thought this brand has a lot of potential. It is under-evaluated. It is small compared to what I thought the world was going to become. And so I moved to buy it. It was a risky move at the time because it was much bigger than the company of my father. But starting from that, we built a uh, LVMH today. 
So buying Dior was a really bold move at the time, yet he really saw the potential and, as he said, the value in it. Anna Wintour, who is, of course, the editor-in-chief of Vogue, told us how Dior was regarded at the time that he made the purchase. Dior was a jolly madame house, you know, that nice French ladies wore to lunch. And it was not in any way creating fashion, making fashion. There was no excitement around it. It was very staid and very safe. And she did, by the way, I'm sure, keep her sunglasses on, right? Uh, yes. Actually, our, our photographer asked her if she, would, if she was going to leave them on or take them off. And she did comment to him, um, have you ever seen me with them off? And so... <laughs> the Brave Ones takes a look at successful risk takers. And it's fair to say that Dior was a risk, uh, especially for a company like LVMH or its legacy companies before it kind of became what it is today. It's always remained a family business. Four of his five children are involved in the business. And even during our interview, he spoke to us about the advantages of a family business. A family business, especially in the luxury area, is key for success. When you are in a family, you have two major advantages. One is you can think long term like Louis Vuitton, for instance. I'm not that much interested by the number of the next six months. What I am interested in is that the desire for the brand will be the same in 10 years as it is today. And he also said something really interesting. As much as he wants LVMH to be a family business, when you come to work at LVMH, you become part of his family. So it's the Arnaud family and all the rest of the people that have come into LVMH are considered part of that family. That is an expansive family business. A family business that, by the way, has grown to become a behemoth in terms of corporate market value size, which has also made him and his family extremely wealthy, one of the top 10 or 20 most wealthy people on the planet. But it's still a family business, right? He still wants to keep it as such. What was it about his presence? I mean, this is a man who's become an icon in terms of global fashion and luxury. We got to sit down with him at the Foundation Louis Vuitton in Paris. Uh, the museum was closed for a holiday, and we shot in the concert hall. He talked about everything from his childhood to his family and what he's done with LVMH and his desire to create a family company, but also legacy brands. And he shared with us this great story about meeting Steve Jobs. I am lucky to have met Steve Jobs at the beginning of the 2000s. And we were talking and joking. He told me, you know... Bernard, I don't know if in 50 years my iPhone will still be a success, but I can tell you, I'm sure everybody will still drink your Dom Perignon. <laughs> so he was funny. We, yeah. um, you can see we, we definitely laughed. So while we were setting up in uh, the concert hall, the Foundation Louis Vuitton, to film with Bernard Arnault, we looked up into the balcony, and who is sitting there alone but the museum's architect, one of the most famous architects in the world, Frank Gehry. Really? Just there. Because the Foundation Louis Vuitton is his baby. He designed it and, you know, supervised all the building of it, and it is an extraordinary piece of architecture. And when we looked up, we were pretty amazed that that's who it was sitting there in the balcony. Because he was up there and because we, you know, we who work on the brave ones try to, you know, be a little brave, <laughs> we, we went up and we asked him if it would be okay if 
if he sat with us and talked about his relationship with Monsieur Arnaud, so we actually did go the next day and sit with him. It was really amazing for us to hear Frank Gehry talk about his design while he was actually sitting in the space. So we, we picked this corner. Um, if, if you've ever had a chance to see what the museum looks like, it's sort of structured with looks like metal sails. So we put him in a corner where he was against glass and you could see the beams and really all the architectural appointments. Design is for an art museum. And it's hard to hang paintings on glass. So we designed a museum that's solid walls, and that became the enclosure for the galleries. And then we enclosed that in another envelope of glass. And the glass was not to enclose interior. It was just uh, like sails. I talked about it like a sailboat, <laughs> like a regatta of sails. What was it like to be in that space with a guy like Gary talking about his particular baby, one that took a decade to kind of really put together? I mean, was it almost like it was a proud papa kind of walking around there? He was very humble. Um, he had said, today I felt proud seeing the space. But he also said, which I think is relatable to anybody in a creative field, he said, well, I look around, though, and I think I should have done this or I should have done that. And I thought that was so honest. And it makes him human, I it think. It definitely. It took 10 years to build a museum, and they really had a friendship. So on the one hand, you've got one of the preeminent entrepreneurs in the entire business world in terms of Bernard Arnault. And then you've got one of the preeminent architects of the modern era in Frank Gehry. So how exactly did they combine or join forces? It seems like a superhero movie. In our interview, Bernard Arnault spoke about how they met. At the end of the 90s, beginning of 2000, I met Frank. I met Frank after having visited the museum in Bilbao that he did. And I immediately thought, it's so extraordinary. I want to meet him and see with him if we can do something. He sparks ideas. He says, what if... Or Oh, but Frank, what could we do? Could we have a small concert hall? Or, you know, he says things just very softly. But I know when he says it, he means it. And I go for it. And then we have fun trying to make it happen. Things that are seemingly impossible sometimes. Now, Frank Gehry wasn't the only collaborator of that world-class nature that you had the opportunity to speak with, right? That's right. We also spoke with Carl Lagerfeld. The Carl Lagerfeld. The Carl Lagerfeld. We were lucky enough to have one of the last interviews with Carl Lagerfeld. So Carl Lagerfeld began collaborating with Fendi in 1965. Fendi was acquired by LVMH in the early 2000s. And in our interview with him, Carl Lagerfeld had some really interesting things to say about where the company was at that time and what he thought Mr. Arnaud did for the brand. I met him when the Fendi takeover was in the air, and I must admit, there were other people who wanted Fendi too, but when I met him, I said to myself, this one and nobody else, and I was right. And Fendi was a kind of mess then, but he said to me, be patient. You will see, he invested in an unbelievable way, and the numbers came back the way he expected. So what was really interesting was when we got to Paris, we were not confirmed that we were doing the interview with Karl Lagerfeld. It was while we were doing the interview with Bernard Arnault at the Foundation Louis Vuitton, when it was finished, we were asked if we wanted to do it and of course said yes. 
we were told that we were going to be going to Carl Lagerfeld's photography studio, so to travel with as light a footprint as we could. So we gathered a small amount of equipment that we could possibly take in order to shoot him with multiple cameras and light the space. And we were told to get into two cars and to head to the center of Paris, which we did. In the dark? In the dark, in the rain. It was starting to snow. It was winter in rush hour in Paris. And when we got to the center of town, we were texted an address. Wait, this sounds like an espionage thriller right here. <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> it, did, it did. So we were in two separate cars, and we went to a small little cobblestone street. The directions took us to a bookstore. And it was known that Karl Lagerfeld was an avid reader and book lover, and he had a bookstore in Paris. And so we were pulled up in front of his bookstore. We knock on the door. Now, was there a secret knock? <laughs> Almost. One of Carl's colleagues directed us to come into the bookstore with our equipment. We do. But the extraordinary thing was that she led us into the bookstore. There were customers in there and people buying books and perusing. And we kind of snaked through the bookstore. And then all of a sudden we went down this long hallway and we were in his studio. This is getting better and it better. It was amazing. Now, reminder, this is in a bookstore the walls of this studio are just bookshelves lined with 50,000 books and library steps. And atop it all is this beautiful old French skylight, and his desk is in the middle of it. We were told to set up as quickly as we possibly could, which we did. And I would say about I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour later, Carl showed up. He was the most gracious, lovely man. Sat down and talked to Jamie. One thing that he said was that um, Bernard Arnault is not who you think he is. He's known as the wolf in cashmere. And um, so almost everybody said, no, that's that's not really who he is. Um, and, and I found that was a common thread throughout all the interviews. Someone that said that to us, which was surprising to me, was Karl Lagerfeld. He is such a special person that it's very difficult to describe him because there are different visions of him. People who don't know him have a completely different idea of the people who know him. In life, he is exactly the opposite what people think he is. Throughout the career of Bernard Arnault and LVMH, he's always collaborated with the best of the best. People who are artists in their field, whether it's at Moet Hennessy or the fashion industry, which you know is whimsical and changes on a dime, but he's had these very lasting brands and he's worked with very famous artists. I think his style is to pick people that he really believes in and let them do their thing. The point of many of these interviews is to kind of gain some insight into how these uber, ultra successful risk takers have kind of gotten to where they are today. But it's also the product of anecdotes or of stories, uh, little things in their lives that have kind of shaped who they are today. This idea also gives us a notion of how they approach business and how they approach life. And, And that's one of the reasons why we love talking to these folks, right? That's right. We get these anecdotes to help you see a whole person. So one of the stories that Bernard Arnault told us that I thought was great was that he lived across the street from his grandmother growing up. And when his grandfather died, he saw that his grandmother was sad or lonely. And he was a young boy, and he asked his parents if he could move in with his grandmother. I saw my grandmother very sad. And so I said one day to my father and my mother, okay, I cannot leave her alone because I liked her a lot, so I'm going to live with her. And I went on the other side of the street, so it's not very far. 
I thought that was a great story. It's nice to hear about, you know, people's experiences growing up or who their heroes were or their mentors. Anna Wintour told us a great story about Bernard Arnault playing tennis with Roger Federer. Come on. I am very competitive. So it's like in tennis. I always want to win. And that's fun. Ian and I share a great admiration for a tennis player called Roger Federer. And I think the happiest that I have ever seen Bernard was when his children secretly arranging for Bernard to have a match with Roger. And I, I swear, he showed me the video, he acted it out stroke by stroke. And then just last week, he was telling me about a more recent game that they had had. And at the end of the fifth game, it was 5-0. <laughs> Uh, Roger said, well, I'm going to play now the way I would in a, a Grand Slam. He stepped it up, and all Bernard could talk to me about was the fact that he'd actually won one point. That's something. I couldn't win a point against Roger Federer. One of the things that, that you kind of understand, and despite everything else in, in, in any one of these risk-takers' lives, the one thing that they do respond to is competition, Right. They are folks out there who value the idea of being able to look and visualize success down the line. Absolutely. It's probably no surprise that a man like Bernard Arnault would kind of gravitate towards arguably the best tennis player in history in Roger Federer, right? Right. Now, you also had the opportunity to meet with Antoine Arnault, Bernard Arnault's son. He's also the CEO of Berluti. He's the chairman of Laura Piana. He's also the head of communications and image at LVMH. What exactly did he have to say about dad? So Antoine added a lot of color to what you might think of as someone who's you know, strictly business and so successful at it. He talked about growing up with his dad, who was a very present father. He also shared with us what his father told him about his job. I remember him telling me one day that 90% of his time was actually, you know, meetings that were not that interesting. They were necessary, they were important. You took decisions that were uh, structuring for, you know, this or that business, but they weren't particularly interesting. He said the other 10% are absolutely fascinating. And then, you know, you speak to Karl Lagerfeld, or you'll spend uh, an hour with Frank Gehry. These are the ones that you must enjoy, but the other ones are important and necessary too. All right. So that still makes him sound like a human being because that sounds like all of our lives, right? It there does. Are things, there are things that we have to do. There are things that are required of us, but then we get those rare moments. As I'm sure production of this whole franchise has been for you guys, right? Oh, yeah. Because, Absolutely. I mean, we, we all have day jobs. We work in media. We write. We produce. We do all of these different things. But then every once in a while, you get to go out and meet a, a person like Bernard Arnault. So if you think about a company that is basically the home to 70 luxury brands, your impression might be that it's someplace quiet and serious, facts and figures. And we were told that it is quite unlike that. They imagine him in his uh, big tower with his huge Excel sheets with numbers. It's very, very far from reality. It's not as serious as some might think up there. You know, I try to keep calm. Huh? Maybe people around are more nervous than I am. Yes. I try to calm them also. <laughs> <laughs>
And we will keep calm here as well on The Brave Ones. We want to thank Betsy Alexander, who's the executive producer of this series. Also to Jamie Corsi, who produced this episode of The Brave Ones featuring Bernard Arnault. We want to remind you to check out your podcast platform of choice to download the latest episodes of The Brave Ones and go to the YouTube channel for the video episodes of The Brave Ones. Until next time, I'm Dominic Chu. We'll see you.